Turn your Bible, if you would please, with me to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter number one. We continue our series of messages in the book of Mark. And we are at verse 14, and I've already preached five messages. Don't take much from me. And you don't get much from me. So that's a, that's a good way to look at it, right? Mark chapter 1, a beautiful little book. I like Mark because he doesn't mess around too much. He just gets right on with it. Key word in the book is immediately or straightway, which means Mark is not going to hang a lot of flowers on what he's saying. He's just going to get right to the matter of the thing. And um, so let's you and I do the same thing. Verse number one, I have got... 31 minutes before lunchtime. That don't mean a thing. Just thought I'd throw it out there to you. So if you get through before I do, stop by the bookstore on your way out. Would you do that? The Bible says, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm glad he is who he said he was. Now, that's significant because when the devil tempts our Lord, that's the very thing he tempted him with. If thou be the son of God. If thou be the son of God. By the way, that's the question you need to answer today. If he who he said he was, then you need him like he said he you did. The beginning of the gospel. Now notice, as it's written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water... He saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. My beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. He was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. 
Now today. Now after that John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now our father today in this very brief and important time we have together today. I ask for your guidance, your enablement, the anointing. Lord, these folk are come today not to be entertained, but to be fed. They've not come today to see a show. They can do that on television. They came today to hear from you. And Lord, may no one leave this place without a word from the divine. We need you today. We yield to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. And Jesus came preaching. I like that, don't you? Notice if you would please in verse 14 and 15. Now after that John was put in prison. You need to think about that a minute. After John was put in prison, who said serving God was going to be easy? And after John was put in prison, we really got it tough in America serving God, don't we? Cruise control, air conditioning. Why, we even got cars now to park themselves. Boy, that's a relief to some of us, ain't it? Huh? Uh, we've got cars today that'll tell us if somebody's behind us and it'll stop us whether we won't stop or not. Uh, we're just suffering for Jesus. After all, we got up 7 o'clock this morning just suffering for Jesus. We probably got up in an air-conditioned house just suffering for Jesus. Probably got into an air-conditioned car. We probably don't have it paid for, but everything works on it. Just suffering for Jesus. Uh, we've given the Lord three hours this morning. Just suffering for Jesus. And after John was put in prison. You think about that a minute? We have it tough, don't we? We gripe because it's too cold in our church during... August. Well, let me tell you something. In this auditorium, if you don't like how the temperature is where you are, just move. It ain't the same nowhere in here. (laughs) Up front, they got a blanket on their knee. In the back, they're fanning at me. Just suffering for Jesus. And after John was put into prison... Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. 
And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And Jesus came preaching. I'd kind of like to talk about that for a little while this morning. And Jesus came preaching. This is the the fourth or fifth message I've preached out of the book of Mark in the past few weeks. And you remember, uh, I preached uh, living a life that matters. And I talked about God's personal, perfect servant, the Lord Jesus. Took the key verse, chapter number 10, verse 45, where the Son of God said, I came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. What we need to do today is not try to be a celebrity, but learn to be a servant. What we need in this world today is not more me's, but more of him. And I believe with all my heart that's, and then we preach a few sermons about preparation for God's servant, you know, and introduce John the Baptist. And we talked about John the Baptist for a little while. And then in chapters 1, 9 through 13, we see that the servant shows up. And the Lord Jesus manifests himself to John and said, John, I need to be baptized. And John said, no, I need you to baptize me. John sat there for a minute with his foot in his mouth and Jesus said, no, I need to be baptized of you, John, to fulfill all righteousness. Baptism is not only a show, a picture of what we have inside the faith that we have inside. It is a, it is a, 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 a example. It is showing to all the world an inward faith. It is the fulfillment of righteousness in your life. How many of our kids go through life doubting their salvation? Maybe got saved when they were younger. Mom and dad would not allow them to be baptized because the kids didn't know everything is about baptism. I was visiting one day and I went to a bus parent's home and I was trying to deal with the bus parent about the child's baptism. And uh, But I'll tell you the truth, when I got baptized, I didn't know anything about it. I was 26. The Bible said to do it. I just did it. I think that's enough, right? The Bible says it. I did it. And I went to the parent. And I tried to say, uh, ma'am or sir, uh, we, we come to talk to you about the baptism of your child. He got saved last week in children's church. And, and I can understand the parents saying this. And the parent looked at me and said, well, my child don't know anything about baptism. I said, sir, tell me what you know about it. It's not knowing all about it. It's just doing what God said. If God said it, that settles it. Can you say Amen. And so John came and was baptized and Jesus went and was baptized of John, not because our Lord needed to repent of anything. He's never done anything wrong. Not that was any error in his life. He came to be baptized by John because father said, do it. And if God says, do it, we don't do it. We can't be right with God. So Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness, to be, to do, and to say what God the father wants him to do. And then we see uh, last week, tempted yet triumphant. Driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. There to for a 40 day and 40 night headlong confrontation with the evil one. Head on, buddy. Our Lord matched him word for word. Put him in his place, did he not? And he left triumphant 
God blessed. He left triumphant, tempted in all fashion such as we, and yet without sin. Amen. And today, look at what happened. John is locked up. The Bible said that they had put John the Baptist into prison, snuffing the message of repentance, silencing the voice of one crying in the wilderness, repent for the remission of sins, silenced him, took him yonder to the beautiful castle built by wicked Herod, the man who was tied up with a murderous, adulterous wife. Yonder in the corner of Arabia, way back there in the shrouds where nobody could get to an impregnable place and they built a castle there. But deep under the castle's floor are two huge, deep, dark dungeons. Dark, deep, and hot. And for ten, nine months, nine, ten months, John the Baptist, God's messenger, the humble servant who said, I must decrease, he must increase. God's man, God's man, doing God's will, deep in the dark, hot hole in the Arabian desert, while atop the surface, sitting in his luxurious castle, Herod, that wicked king with his adulterous wife, is having a party. Something don't seem like. But whoever said that we're going to get a fair shake here? This world is not our home. We're just passing through our treasure. Or later, somewhere beyond the blue. And oh, wicked Herod having his luxurious parties in his castles above the ground. And God's man there in the hole, bless your heart, locked up in chains. For nigh ten months. Can I ask you a question? What do you think John must have thought? Deep in the dark, dark hole of the dungeon. Listening to the entertaining music. Siphling down through the dark hole. As old John sat there eating probably the scourge of the earth. You think maybe John could have said, well, this didn't hardly turn out like I thought it was going to. Come on, it ain't time to go to sleep. Doing God's will may not be driving a Cadillac. John, I bet, thought, dear God, if I'd known it was going to be like this, What do you think maybe Herod might have thought? We won this one. We snuffed that voice. There'll be no more preaching about repentance. I'll have no more conviction of my adulterous lifestyle. I'll have no more of that. We've silenced the voice. John is shut up. What do you think the devil might have thought? The man of God's in the hole in the ground. We've won another one. 
But as Paul Harvey said, they need to read the rest of the story. Here it is. And Jesus came preaching. John's in a hole. John shut up. John done. His ministry's over. But Jesus came preaching. You don't interrupt God's program. You don't throw a monkey wrench in God's cycle. God is in charge, man. And the Bible said he shut John up so that Jesus could be manifest. And Jesus came preaching. I don't know if you like that or not, but I like that. I notice not only did he come preaching, but notice where he came preaching. John, the Bible says, that all Judea and Jerusalem came out to see him. Not so with Jesus. Jesus, the Bible said, he came into Galilee preaching. Great cosmopolitan area. Jews, Romans, Greeks, multicultural place. And Jesus came where people needed him. And, and he came preaching. I thank God he did not wait for them to come. He came Seeking for us. Are you glad of that? You said, well, I found him. No, you didn't. He's the seeker. (laughs) Sinners don't seek the Savior. The Savior seeks sinners. The Savior has nothing that the sinners want unless it's forgiveness. Notice, if you please... And Jesus came preaching. Are you going to believe I'm going to be done in 15 minutes? And Jesus came preaching. Notice if you would please, I'd like to show you, uh, if you would allow me for just a minute, that the Lord came preaching at the right time. Now I'm glad that Jesus is always... On time. Now, we're not. Have you noticed every once in a while our timing is kind of bad? Have you ever done anything that you wish you had not done at that particular time? Have you ever said anything to her you wish you had waited a long time to have said that? In fact, you're still wishing that you had said, not said that. The timing is everything. And the Bible says in verse number 15, and saying the time is what? Fulfilled. Timing is very important. Everyone was laughing at the jokes the boss was telling with obvious enjoyment. One girl sat, however, in the corner and was not amused at all. No matter what the boss said, she did not laugh. The boss looked at her and said, don't you have a sense of humor? She said, yes, but I'm leaving Friday anyhow. That means I don't have to laugh at your dumb jokes. The timing 
is everything. Do you think that I Love Lucy would make it in today's television world? Timing. Timing is everything. We bought a piece of property down on the, down on the highway here. And the van was 60 some thousand dollars in the rears on taxes. We bought the property for 65,000. We turned down a million five for it last year. Timing. Timing. What didn't work today may work tomorrow if you don't quit. Timing may be wrong. If you ask her to marry yesterday and she said no, praise God for that. I mean, (laughs) take her to the Ranger game. She'll feel sorry for everybody in the Metroplex and she might say yes. Timing is everything. Now notice the Bible said when the time was fulfilled. When the world was ready for the coming of Jesus Christ, he came. And he came preaching. The world was ready for the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15. The world was ready for Isaiah's man of sorrows, Isaiah 53. He would be wounded, but he'd be wounded in God's time. He would be bruised, but he'd be bruised in God's time. He'd be the man of sorrow, but he'd be the man of sorrow in God's time. Not in the devil's time, not in your time, not in my time. But God works on his time schedule, not ours. It was time for the servant. It was time. The time was ready for the psalmist, suffering servant. It was time for the psalmist, king of glory. It was time for him to enter in. And when it was, he came right on time, preaching. Not teaching. Not texting. Not iPhoning. Not hairnetting. Not internetting. He came preaching. Not teaching. Preaching, not talking, preaching, proclaiming. He came preaching and he came right on time. Can anybody say amen? He came right on time. As a schoolmaster, the law had taught the Jews they were terrible transgressors. And despite of all of God's favor, and despite of all of God's love, and despite of all the rules, they had still fallen short. And had come short of the glory of God. It was time for the Savior to come. The time was right. The world was at peace under Rome's rule. No wars. Peace. Rome had built roads. Now the gospel and the missionaries and the Christians had in roots to all the cosmopolitan areas. It was time for the King of Glory to come in. He came right on time. Didn't miss it a lick. The world spoke Greek as a basic language. Missionaries did not need to have interpreters. But the basic part of that world all spoke Greek. And it was time. The roads were built. The language was set. 
The law had been the schoolmaster. The world system and the prophetic vents were ready for the coming of Christ. And God had foretold that. That there'd be a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Preparing the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist has come. He's preached and now he's in prison. So Jesus came. Right on time. He came preaching. You say, preacher, you're going to have a heart attack. Well, it wouldn't be so hard on me if you act like you'd enjoy it every once in a while. He came right on time. He came in God's time. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem those that are under the law. Because your sons, God has sent forth his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. He came right on time. Thank God Jesus came preaching. Is there anybody glad that Jesus came preaching? Now, as long as no man's around, it's going to be a preaching church. You say, well, I like a teaching church. Come Sunday school. We don't teach during this time. We just yell, scream, kick, and have a ball. Well, we preach. Can you say Amen. And uh, you say, well, preacher, how do I get that thing going? You grease the wheel by throwing all at it. And every once in a while, even if I don't, you don't like it, say amen. Now pass that around again. He came preaching. Secondly, and finally, <laughs> with 10 minutes to go. Are you ready? He came preaching at the right time, but he came preaching the right message. Do you like that? Now, let me help you, young'un. That message has not changed. It has not changed. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Is that what he said? Look at verse 15. And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That, ain't, that has not changed. You say, I'm a Methodist. Good. You got to get there the same way we do. You say, I'm Baptist. Well, it's about time y'all get saved then. Repent ye. Turn to the one next to you and say, you are a ye. Would you do that? (laughs) Now, if that's embarrassing, look at him and say, I am a ye. (laughs) You can't get Baptists to participate. I thought it was the offering. It's not offering. It's just you're hard-headed. You're not going to have anybody persuade you to do anything. But he came preaching at the right time. And he came preaching the right message. The gospel of the kingdom. Notice, he said, he talked about a new kingdom. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, the folk in that 
area knew something about kingdoms. They knew about the, the leadership and the tyrants that, that made themselves Caesars and kings and emperors and rulers. They knew about that. They knew about the power of the Roman Empire. They knew that it was a, a kingdom beyond uh, any description in that, era, in that era. And all of a sudden, here comes John the Baptist preaching and saying, Repent, repent for the remission of sins. And there's one coming me after me who is mightier than I, whose shoes latches I am not worthy to lose. And when he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And they incarcerate John. And Jesus comes preaching. And his message is, repent. And believe. He spoke often, if you read the Bible, he speaks often of the kingdom of God. He told Nicodemus. He said, except a man be born again, John 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So except a man be born of, of water and of spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He came speaking of a new kingdom. Don't miss this. Not an earthly kingdom. He was already king of kings and lord of lords. He already could, could command. And the gnat could turn into an elephant. He could already command the waters and they hush and run for refuge like little whip puppies across the sea to hide themselves under the port. He already was God. He was already king. He was already sovereign. And he talked about a kingdom of God which is at Hand. A kingdom, a kingdom of God, which is not here yet, but is it a hand? Wow. What kind of kingdom could that be? Jesus said, except you be born again, born of the Spirit of God, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Well, preacher is talking about heaven. No. Because you don't spell heaven like K-I-N-G-D-O-M. If you look in the dictionary for heaven, you don't go to the K section. Kingdom of God. Spirit. Birth. Wow. A king. Over a spiritual kingdom. Wow. I'm stumped. You mean there's a kingdom of God right here? I was. I was stumped. Spirit, 
birth, kingdom. You mean maybe he's talking about a spiritual kingdom? I was reading the book of Luke. Now listen. And Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. So, we have a king that has invaded the earth. And now he wants to invade mine and your life. With a spiritual birth. And birth us into a heavenly family. A spiritual family. He wants to be king on the throne of your heart. Because the kingdom of God, Glenn, is in you. It's when you invite the king of all kings to come into your life and set up the throne of your heart and run the things that needs to be run. Now you can wake up because I'm about done. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's nigh. It's near. You can be a participant and a member in the kingdom of God. Right there, right now. And you can have somebody running the show who knows what the show is all about. He knows what's around the corner. He even knows who made the corner. He knows what to buy and what not to buy. He knows where it's right and good and profitable to go and not to go. All he wants to do is just to move in and push sin out and give you eternal life. That's the kingdom of God. It's not. The message is not changed. Preacher, how, how do I, how do I, how do I get into this kingdom? How do I get this all, this, this, this great situation? Uh, he said, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Now we've dropped repent out of the message most generally. But if you read in your Bible, you'll find that in the Old Testament, most generally, the word repent means to lament or grieve. You'll find that when anybody was repenting, they always took their clothes off and put sackcloth on. And and it was a visible situation that these folks were sorry and they were lamenting and they were grieving of something that was in their life. In the New Testament... Repent means to turn around. Got that? 
or to about face. To repent, bless your heart, is necessary for forgiveness. And he came preaching. Hadn't changed any. And he said that the kingdom of God is nigh everyone here. And God would want to reign on your heart. But the first thing you need to do is repent. It means a godly sorrow for your sins. Repent means to have a change of mind about your sins. You no longer enjoy them, gloat over them, seek them, engage them, and involve others in them. You see them for what they are, bleak, dark, detestable, damnable, hurtful, and unprofitable. Nobody has ever been saved that wasn't sorry for their sins. Not sorry you got caught, but sorry you were sinning against the holy God. That you'd fallen short. Repent not only means to change your mind about sins, it means to change your mind about yourself. It means, bless your heart, you realize the depravity of your individual unsaved soul. How could I think such thoughts? I tell you why, you're a sinner. How could I treat her that way? How could I? You're a sinner. How can somebody just uh, at random begin to shoot folk and, and kill folk? I tell you why, a depraved heart. And until we realize what a depraved, lost, helpless individual we are in the sight of God with no hope of ever going to heaven apart from him we will not be saved until we repent of who we are dear God I've got some sick of my life of proud arrogant people in my life I don't understand why we pay a guy 25 million dollars care of football when he can't spell ball can't stay at a jail Whips on his mother, whips on his wife, and then starts a school. Just a minute, please. I at least deserve one amen all day. Amen, Reverend. Amen. Repent means to turn from your sin, turn from yourself, and it means turn to Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, we need to change our mind about the Savior. He becomes the source of our hope and the source of our dreams and the source of our ambitions. He says, repent. And until you repent, he'll not be king in your heart. And the kingdom of God will not move into your life. If you can do it yourself, hang on, buddy. You can handle this job, do it. But when you realize you can't, that's when he'll move in and take care of it. He said, repent, and I'm done. Believe the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel 
which I preached unto you, which you believed and wherein you stand, and whereby you are saved. 1 Corinthians 15. For I preached unto you first that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Can you say amen? And he was buried, and on the third day he arose again according to the Scriptures. And whosoever shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You don't believe the gospel, you can't be saved. You don't believe the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, you cannot be saved. But if you believe that, if you believe in Easter's, not about Easter bunnies laying eggs, if you believe, bless God, it's about a resurrected Savior, then you can be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Place of the kingdom. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent ye and believe in the gospel. Repentance is the change in direction. Faith is a change in our devotion. Devotion. 